Warning, this episode contains shocking moments and raw or vulnerable material that may not be suitable for all audience members, especially children. Please listen at your own discretion. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy this episode of I Talk to Dead People. Mediums are privy to a sense of love that's transformative and healing, a love that passes between and connects both sides. And in this special five-part series, we're going to explore the art and process of mediumship and all of the incredible stories along the way. Welcome to I Talk to Dead People on Inside the Wooniverse. Hi there, and welcome to Inside the Wooniverse. I'm your host, Colette Baron-Reed. Welcome to our mini-series called I Talk to Dead People. Joining us today is the most extraordinary woman. You are going to fall in love with her. It's Zulema Arroyo Farley, also known as the Latina Medium. Now, in addition to being a psychic medium and one of the best in the world, I'm going to just say that and say that right out loud. Zulema, uh, hey, come on, you got to own it, girl. Zulema is a sarcoma survivor. She's a philanthropist, and she's even penned her own memoir, which I just got, So Much More, or Muchismo Mas. You said it fine. I did. I'm so happy. Anyway, she is published by Simon & Schuster. Now, throughout her life, she's an incredible woman. She has suffered complex, hard-to-diagnose medical conditions and illnesses, yet by no means has she allowed those experiences to define her. Zulema is a former advertising and marketing senior executive, and along with her mediumship work, she's also the founder, board chairman, president, and beautiful face of Arts Cure Sarcoma Foundation, a nonprofit foundation she created in 2015 along with her husband, Nick, following her own sarcoma diagnosis. Now, in 2018, we got something special because Zulema surprised the world by confessing a lifelong well-kept secret. She's a psychic medium. And since then, her life purpose and mission is to be the conduit to reconnect a global and multilingual audience with their loved ones that have crossed over. Wow, are we very, very lucky to have her, and is she busy? Welcome, Zulema. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited, Colette. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I we did some research, and we were like, oh my God, this woman is so huge. I mean, she's going to be so famous, she might not even know it, and I bet you any money you're going to have your own TV show. I see all these things for you. Oh my gosh, you're like a movie star and you're so good. Like you're so good. Anyhow, so I'm going to go back to the beginning. Before you became this, let's go back to the beginning with little Zulema because you have a fascinating story. Your experience in coming into this world was a unique one. Can you share a little bit first of your childhood with us? I was born in Puerto Rico on the West Coast. Uh, My father passed away when I was a year and three months old. My mom was eight months pregnant of my sister. And I knew along the way growing up in Puerto Rico that I was different than everybody else. When I was five years old is my first recollection of my first Linked to spirit. My mom used to call them my imaginary friends. (laughs) I used to play with them in the backyard and spend hours in a roundabout that I had in the backyard. And I knew that there was something that my mom was hiding from me about my dad's side of the family, specifically my grandmother. I wasn't really allowed to go see my grandmother by myself, like an aunt and uncle. I only saw her just a few times in my life, but every time I would go to her house, I felt like this shocking energy and I was so overwhelmed and anxious when I used to visit her. And I grew up suppressing the gift because I knew that I wouldn't be allowed to do this. Why? Because of the strong Catholic background religion. But what ended up happening as well was when I was about a month old, they told my parents that they needed to do surgery on me and I had a 50-50 chance of surviving. And my first near-death experience, as a matter of fact, was when I was just a month old. 
that I underwent this surgery. Since then, my life has been plagued by obviously illnesses, but it wasn't until I accepted my gift that growing up in Puerto Rico, I left Puerto Rico in 1994. I knew Puerto Rico was not the place for me, the town that I grew up, although I love my beautiful island, right? But I knew that there was something bigger for me and I wanted to do it and make it on my own. And it was very difficult to hide all of this until I was like 45 years old, Uh, including my mom, my best friends. No one had a clue. At eight years old, though, is when I had my first in-living color apparition, and it was my maternal grandfather. He literally showed up like, I'm seeing you and you're seeing me. And I saw the whole thing about his passing, uh, when he was going to pass, the goodbye before he passed. So it was definitely a premonition that this was going to happen to him. But the funny thing is, I thought my whole life that that's what had happened in real life. But it really wasn't. It was like my first in living color apparition. I also didn't know anyone in Puerto Rico that was a medium. I used to go to psychics that would read the cards for me, but never like an actual medium like, you know, we are. (laughs) That didn't exist. I wasn't around people like that. When I come up publicly, I get a phone call from someone on my dad's side of the family who's a a second cousin, and I knew but really didn't have a close relationship, but everybody was watching me when I was coming out publicly on TV that day. And she called me and she said, we need to talk. And I said, sure, what's going on? She's like, your grandmother would be so proud of you. She just passed away, my paternal grandmother. Uh, Your grandmother was a medium. And I'm like, what? Wow. And your grandfather and your great-grandfather. And I'm like, What? And that's when I found out the truth. You know, I my mom did what she thought was the right thing for me. She didn't want me growing up around this. And I could also feel and empathize for my mother when I'm 45 years old. And I show up one day and I say, hey, I'm a psychic medium. I'm going to take this publicly. Everybody was like, you're crazy. What are you doing? Go back to your marketing and what you know what to do. They were scared about what people would say about me, you know, how could I handle it, not handle it. And I was like, guys, I've been prepared for this for 45 years. Everything that I've been through in my life, 13 surgeries, cancer, losing everything financially, having to start from scratch. I was basically homeless, Colette. Oh, my gosh. Um, When the whole economic crisis happened, I had to move back with my family in California So all of these things that I've been through, it what has prepared me to do the job that I do today. And this is why I have to say I'm really good with medical intuition because I knew it from experience. You know, I can tap into that person's body and immediately say, I see the thyroid or I see a problem in the kidney and, you know, or autoimmune issue, RA, arthritis, because I lived it. I'm an RA patient. Uh, I'm in, I have lupus in remission. I still go to MD Anderson in Houston for yearly checkups. Before it used to be every three months. I graduated to six months and I graduated to once a year, which is a big deal because sarcoma doesn't have drugs to be treated in the United States. And I'm a seven-year survivor, which is fantastic. And uh, I have uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, I have autoimmune retinopathy. So there's a plethora of things. And I just recently took my implants out because of breast implant illness. And I've done a dramatic change, dramatic change. You know, I have a theory, you know, as you know, I'm also a medium that we go through these dramatic experiences as like a training ground so that had we not experienced that, we wouldn't have that level of empathy or complexity to recognize the nuance in the energy around somebody, right? You have to have been through something. And I I find some of the best mediums have been through the most things. Like, you know, what you've been through is like, you shouldn't even be alive, right? It's, It's pretty wild. I would assume that you're a medium that is self-taught or did you take any classes or you're just natural, right? I don't have any training either. It just comes. I didn't. The only person I saw in the beginning was uh, Pat Longo. Oh, sure. Because I needed to learn about parameters and things of that sort. 
So Pat was like very helpful. I went once to a class with other mediums that were there. I never went back because I'm like, uh, I'm so far removed from these people. Sure. I'm ready. And it was true. Pat was like, oh my God, you're just like Teresa. This is crazy. <laughs> and I never went back. So it's been self-taught. But to be honest, I also haven't spent time taking seminars from other people or taking classes or courses. Literally, it's been me on my own being guided naturally. I think when you've had it your whole life and you know that I'm finally living my true life purpose and who I am, Colette, imagine what it's like to be someone that you're not for so long, that you hold this secret for so long, even my husband didn't find out until after we got married. I didn't want to tell him <laughs> before because I'm like, he's not going to want, want to marry me. He's a Brit, you know? And then when I got married, I was like, oh my God, will he ask me for a divorce when I tell him? <laughs> I had the same thing happen when I did a mediumship on stage. My husband had never seen me do it. The first thing I said when I got off stage, like, you're not going to leave me, are you? Are you, are you okay? Like, I'm not, like, <laughs> like, you're not leaving me, are you? He goes, just don't bring them home. <laughs> I try not to bring them home. And right. that's another thing that I did learn about not having them in the bedroom. Yeah, so that the I boundaries, right? Boundaries. Uh, that's really what I had to learn. But other than that, to be honest, they don't bother me at all. Yeah, me neither. There's instances where I've been wanting to relax, get a manicure, pedicure, and it's like banging, banging. Come on, come on, come on. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. But just know you can't do this all the time because this is my relaxing me time. I'm grounding myself. <laughs> and I'm glad I delivered those messages because they were really, as you know, like when you know you have to deliver something, you have to deliver something. But at the same time, I deliver a message in a restaurant to someone in Mexico a year ago. And the actual boyfriend of the person I deliver, he was furious. Wow. He like, went off to my husband and I, I called the hostess. I'm like, get us out of here. Oh, wow. It's like never again. I notice when the idea that we have been suppressed for so long, and I identify with that too, because I was too for the longest time. And, and I had a real deep fear because my mom instilled in me, if we were at all different, then there would be a price to pay. There'd be a consequence of some kind, that invisible consequence. And approaching people, I get that. It is a boundary, right? It, it, there has to be a boundary. Sometimes it's like asking permission, but people really are frightened and they do get angry because all of a sudden now we have entered into and beyond the boundary or the, the invisible boundary that people believe are there when in fact we don't really have them, <laughs> right? So it's just sort of like if a spirit wants to come through, we are the channel and we're the ones with the second chance at life, right? So it's like, for me, I feel the same way. It's my mission and it's a calling that I have to answer, but I also know when to turn it off and turn it back on. And in this case too, by the way, when I deliver a message to someone that it's outside of my home on the street or a restaurant, yep. I say, I'm a psychic medium. Yes, may I? I have yeah. a message for you. Do you want to? Which is in this case, the woman said yes. So I proceeded with the message and then he reacts and I'm like, well, why are you making the decision for her? She said yes. Otherwise, I would not have said it. <laughs> right. I know. It's it's pretty amazing. So I want to ask you, um, I've noticed in your readings that you take a pen, you have a pen and a paper. Is that a way you connect to spirit? Is that a, a physical thing that you do? Can you explain that a little bit? So it's a scribble and I don't really need it to read someone, but I'd like to do it when, especially if I'm one-on-one -on -one with someone, because it's my way to signal to spirit that I'm open. Yeah. And that's how they know, okay, it's showtime, like time to go. <laughs> so it helps me also get into a meditative state where I disconnect from this world and I tap on as I raise my frequency and my vibration to them, to connect with them. Right. So I have like 20, 30 of those notebooks that I filled in the last four years. Amazing. But I'm not scribbling when I'm doing a live reading in an audience because I don't need to. I just 
like to. And that's a conversation Pat and I had. She's like, I don't want you to use the notepad as a crutch. And I'm like, it's not a crutch. It's just something I've liked and I developed. And you know what I like as well? Having people photograph my scribbles to remember the reading or for me to go back at the end of the reading in a question that they might have. So I wrote a number or I wrote a letter and they'll be like, oh, letter R. Now I remember R was Robert. You're right. And things that they couldn't validate. It's another way for me to remember because as you know, our brain is a pastor. Yeah. I don't remember what I said five minutes or let alone 40 minutes before. So that helps me too sometimes with going back and say, these are the things you didn't validate. And I'm 100% confident you're going to validate them. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, it's so funny too, when you have somebody on stage and you say, I see four children, uh, four daughters. And then she goes, no. And then the girl sit beside her, yeah, what are you talking about? Like She goes, well, you're the only one here, right? <laughs> they forget their name even right in front of you. <laughs> and also like people always think, I mean, and this is like a myth because there's a lack of education when it comes to mediumship, and that's what I love doing too. Yep. That when you say, oh, you have four children, they think it's like blood-related children that, that I birth. But spirit counts half siblings, right? Like, oh, you have a sibling because your dad remarried and you have two more. You need to account for them. Or people that have an abortion voluntarily or they have a miscarriage, those are children. You need to count them as your children. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes your three dogs are three kids. You know, I see you with three little girls. I mean, yes, I have three Pomeranians, 100%. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing. I agree with you with the pen to the paper. And I have my own theory about that. And because I've watched you, I've watched you because you've had a couple of, you've got you on film doing that, that when we do that, it not just signals, we are using our body on behalf of spirit, right? So all of a sudden the channel is easier, right? So it's not a crutch at all. It's a process. It's a way for us to flow in. And you're right, like those, you know, letters or numbers or whatever, I find that also. And it's like immediately you even train yourself to know when this is there, I'm there. Yes. That's what I found anyway. I want to ask your opinion about certain things because we all have our theories. What is the difference, if any, in your estimation between consciousness and the soul? That's a great question. So consciousness to me is what we're aware of, like our awareness to process things, to feel, whereas the soul is really who you are, you know, mm -hmm. and that soul carries on to the spirit world. This is why we can connect to spirit on the other side, because it's really our soul, our soul, like this body, we let go of it the moment that we die. It doesn't accompany us to the other side. Um, where I feel like consciousness also is like things that we need to work on, right? Like work with our conscience, work with our mind, work with our, our brain. That's how I would say it. Yeah. So that's consciousness with a small C. And then I think of consciousness with a large C that the universe is conscious and our souls have consciousness and they're immortal consciousness. So there's, yeah, I love what you said too. It's like the, the small consciousness and the soul has more of that larger sense of our own immortality. So when uh, you read and when you tune into spirit, you mentioned earlier that you saw an apparition. How do you receive the information in your case? Like, do you actually, because I know some mediums see people, I see so-and-so behind you. How do you experience it? So I have to say that I use, I call them my tools, which is clairvoyance, clairaudience, clear sentence, my smell and my taste. But my strong suit, honestly, Colette, is hearing, yeah. my hearing. So I rely, not mostly, but the hearing, but I use them. I use them all. When I see, it's a combination of seeing a big shadow, someone passing by that you can't see. It could be behind. It could be on the side. Yeah. Right. It's also a feeling of knowing that there's a bigger presence next to you because the energy. And that's when I get the goosebumps on my on my body because there's that reaction right of their high energy with mine. So that way I haven't had an in living color apparition since 2013 that we moved into this place that I live we bought this place 
from a an estate. We were told that the owner had passed away at the equinox down the street from a sudden heart attack. Uh-huh. Thanks to me, we found out the truth because he appeared to me like six, seven times. It was insane. And I'm like, who are you? Wow. So we finally found out the truth. He didn't die in the equinox. He died in the living room. Drug overdose. A drug overdose. He was a doctor. He became addicted to the drugs, basically. Mm -hmm. And he died from an overdose. So you were able to set him free, I guess, was he making sure that his story was true? I was like, listen, you did your thing here. This was yours. This is my turn. And, and he was, he loved to throw parties and host and entertain. I'm like, I'm the perfect person for this house because that's exactly what I'm doing. My husband and I have no children. We have this big place just to host and entertain. So you're good. <laughs> you're good. You can hang out here. I love that. You mentioned a good point because I was going to tell my husband, I was coming in from the doctor yesterday. And when I opened my door, boom, right away where the umbrellas are and the coat hanger, big shadow. I'm like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, too funny. You could have some of the other former guests wafting through the house too that had the best time at that place. I love that. So um, speaking of of these kind of stories, what was the wildest story that, you know, wild experience you've had as a medium, maybe even before when you were an ad exec, you know, anything come through where you at work where you were freaked out and you couldn't tell anybody? that happened in terms of my job, but one, the difficult part was knowing when somebody was going to get fired. And I would try to tell people certain things to see if they thought of it or they got it, but I couldn't say it. But I did, the one thing that stood out always was this specific boss of mine When the media would come in, the networks to do their presentations, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I was out loud saying what they were going to say two, three seconds later. (laughs) So I was getting ahead and was coming out. So he used to tell me all the time, you need to let them talk. You can't be saying things before they finish. Like, you don't know at all. And I would laugh inside and I'd be like, he has no idea. I can't control. You can't. I know what you mean. It's like we don't even know it's supposed to. Like, we can't help it. It just comes out of your mouth. I know my husband always says, think before you speak. It's like, but I can't. Sometimes you just can't, right? You can't control this 100%. That's the other thing. So that was like the difficult part, knowing that somebody would be fired. I did have a really difficult situation at work. And this is the, the most memorable. We were in Argentina shooting TV commercials. And I was the person representing the client. The client hadn't, hadn't gotten there yet. And in Argentina, in order to release the prototype cars that we were shooting the commercials with, they brought me to this most obscure, horrendous place in the Buenos Aires airport. All these five men were sitting in front of me, questioning me about the cars per se, and they asked for a $30,000 bribe. Oh, my God. So I figured out that the person behind it was the person on the corporate side with the producer that worked at our agency. Oh my God, that's wild. And then he tried to get me fired with the big head of marketing. And I stood to my ground and I couldn't tell my bosses at the time, my CEO totally supported me, but I couldn't tell her at the time I know more than what they're saying. I'm 100% confident it is these people. And when the producer came to my room to confront me on it, I said, you did this. You can say whatever you want, but you are the one, the mastermind behind this with the production company and the head of procurement over there on the other side. Because of spirit. Because of spirit, yes. Oh my God, this is like... You have, you need your own show, which I'm going to predict. I'm going to predict it. I'm predicting it. One of the most memorable readings I've done is to someone that I know, but I didn't know that deeply. And I was able to tell him he, he was very skeptical. He finally took him a year to ask me for a reading. He lives in Spain. And it turns out that I told him that his child was not his, that his wife had an affair and that that child was not his. And that's exactly what he wanted to come to me for because he was terrified to do a DNA test 
and then end up being his. And so he wanted that validation in order for him to take the DNA test. And he did. And the child is not his. And then he asked me, whose is it? And I was able to tell him who it was. It's so interesting too. You really have to want to know the truth because it's spirit just, it's just there. You know, no matter how many lies that we create and no matter how much of a web we weave or humans do that, you know, spirit just reveals what is. It just is what it is. You can't hide that when you're tuning into spirit. It's so interesting. So let me ask you this question. Do you believe in reincarnation? Um, (laughs) I do. I believe in reincarnation. And I've had this conversation with other people. Actually, one is a medium. But I don't believe in that I can connect you to someone that has reincarnated. Uh, Interesting. When I'm doing the reading, I'm connecting to someone who's on the spirit side, because if the person has reincarnated, then why am I connecting to that spirit? Yes. Uh And there's some mediums that believe that we connect to everything, even people we've reincarnated. And I don't agree with that. From my standpoint, I believe in it. I know I've had past lives, although I've never had a past life regression. My husband did. It was fascinating. I believe in all of that. I believe in the reincarnation 100%. I believe that we have a choice when we get to the other Mm -hmm. side to say, no, I want to keep on in the spirit world, right? Or I want to go, you know, the reincarnation route. And it's up to you to decide. I love that you said we have a choice. I want to play around with that statement. I'm a big believer in free will. I'm also a big believer in destiny. So like you and me both had a destiny. Both of us tried not to have it (laughs) and we couldn't not have it. (laughs) So you predicted very accurately all of the details of the American election. Right. And you were vocal about that and you put yourself out there. And was that because you saw the map of a number of potential choices? Um, Because how do you see predictions is what I'm trying to get at. You know, do you see them as written in stone or do you see them as fluid? That's a great question because the one thing I don't want to be known for is prediction. Yeah, that's me too. <laughs> I thought that I closed it off. I closed it off specifically be, within the multilingual Spanish market audience. Yeah. There's other people that do predictions that are not good. They're not meaning that they're not good, meaning yeah. they don't use it for the good of all concern or for the good right, of the all. highest good. They use it, exactly. They use it for completely different things. I'm not sensationalist. So I didn't want to be, I don't want to be placed in that bucket because there's already, they misconstrued so much what a psychic medium is that I didn't want to fall into. But this prediction specifically was also very personal to me. And I think that's the reason why I decided to do it. And I used for the prediction, one of my best dear friends of 25 years that died from pancreatic cancer a couple of years earlier. And she was heavily involved in politics to help young people wanting to get into politics. She served on Obama's finance committee. She helped like many senators in New York get elected. She was a media mogul, totally respectable philanthropist and big time Democrat, like big time. So I was like, I'm going to venture off to do this. I lined all of my spirits up. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I trust a hundred percent what you're telling me. This better be accurate because this is the big deal. So in the meditation that I was doing to connect and then receive the information, I used Lisa. So that's her name. So I called on Lisa. I said, Lisa, you're going to be the one giving me this information. Yeah. Uh That's a great question because I visually saw a map. Right. That's, I, I wanted to know this because when I read it, I'm going, I wonder if she saw a map. Because that's what I see, a map of potentiality. So I, I've, yeah, tell me about your map. So what, what I saw at that moment, you know when you're landing or you're taking off and you see the little lights and the strip yeah. on a tarmac? That's how I saw different areas of the map actually lighting up for me. Uh And then what I did was I actually pulled on my phone a map 
And then I would, I read what people were saying about this place, this place, what was really in play. And it was so interesting, Texas specifically, Mm -hmm. because they showed me that it would be like by this, 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 this tiny that, you know, it would potentially like be lost. But it was like, if there's ever been an opportunity for Texas to change, this is the time, which was like a big deal. So I, I wrote it down, all what I was hearing, all the states, and then I went visually to the map and I reconfirmed it with spirit. And I'm going to tell you something nobody knows. I've never said it in an interview. I use my husband as well. Ah. So Lisa is a very good friend of ours and became a really good friend of my husband. And my husband has developed his psychic part a lot with me. Uh-huh. And I said, this is it, but I want you to get your own validation and, you know, details on this. And everything I validated, he validated connecting to her. I'm like, you tap onto her. So I used him for that as well. Oh my gosh, that's so much fun. I've also noticed my husband has gotten more and more psychic since we've been together 20 years. I swear to God, he is like, he'll just spit something out. And I go, where did you, where did you get that from? (laughs) It's like, I don't know. He's seriously, he's gotten so intuitive. Um, So your husband too. I know they can't help themselves now. Um, So thank you for differentiating that uh, for, you know, the listeners about your specific desire for how you want to be perceived, especially in your work about not being a predictive reader. I'm much more of a prescriptive. My Oracle cards are even prescriptive. It's how do you stay in alignment with your highest good? That is always my purpose. So, you know, I'm nothing wrong with predictions, but thank you for making sure everybody here knows that's not you. <laughs> but that one thing made, it was pretty impressive what you did. Like, let's just call I mean, it. <laughs> never will do a prediction again. Yeah. If I something significant and important, like what happened with the election, of course, I'm, I'm open to it, but it's not what I want to focus on. Yeah. Although on a personal level, if I'm around my friends watching the World Cup, or watching Miss Universe, I've done it. <laughs> I have a former Miss Universe was competing in a reality show a couple of months ago on Telemundo. <laughs> and all my followers, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? And I said, Alicia's going to win. Alicia's going to win. She won. There you go. Wow, this is so interesting, but we have to take a little break now. So everybody, please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're here with Zulema Arroyo Farley, also known as the Latina medium. Okay, Zulema, let's get back to this fascinating conversation. So in your estimation, when you have done a reading, because you've done quite a few of them now, the sense you get, or what does the other person receive from this? Do you find that it helps them to make better decisions after, you know, because we get pretty stuck like in, in an ice cube sometimes with our grief, etc. Listen, I, I have a whole array of people that come from all over the world, literally, to have a reading with me, but heavily Spanish-speaking with from Spanish-speaking countries. A lot of the issues that I deal with and that I see frequently are people that are undocumented, that are not, you know, citizens of the U.S., wanting to know if their papers are going to come through. And a lot of the times they just tell me they have the wrong attorney or the attorney hasn't done the right thing, that they just took advantage money-wise of them. But a lot of people, I use a lot of my psychic. This is why I say I'm a psychic medium. Right. I'm a medium because other mediums just focus on connecting to the person that passed. I bring the past, the present, and the future. A lot of people get a lot of closure for understanding how their loved one passed. A lot of readings these days are about COVID that people couldn't say goodbye or couldn't have a last conversation and they want to know what that what's that spirit was going through and thinking, did they get the right medical attention or did not get the right medical attention? Releasing people a lot from guilt and burdens that they carry about their loved ones passing because they feel bad they couldn't be there or they couldn't do enough or as much as sure. they want. 
uh, is another thing. The medical intuition is very strong as well. I've, I have a family who's come to me four times. The first time they came to me, their son was four years old. I mentioned the story on Dr. Ross. Was four, he wasn't talking, he wasn't speaking. I was able to provide the diagnosis, how to be treated. They wanted to put him in a special ed school. And Spirit was like, he's not going to a special education school. This is what you need to do. They just had a reading with me again, like a couple of months ago. And it's the opposite. He's being skipped a grade. You can't shut him up. He's <laughs> a perfectly normal kid. And can you imagine the burden that I lifted with those readings to say, your son is going to be a regular person in society. And this is not a curse. He's not doomed or anything of that sort. Whereas if he would have been put in that special education school, that would have been horrendous and detrimental to his well-being. So that's another aspect, giving people hope. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes I have to tell people, I'm so sorry, there's not much you can do sure. in order to get like 100% cure, but you can certainly improve by doing this and this and this and have a better quality of life kind of a thing. So I would say closure, validation, understanding of a lot of things and questions that they have about the inheritance, right? <laughs> right. Interesting. Uh-huh. Oh my God. It's a whole different subject. I had a, a gentleman, he's about 85 years old, who has come with his two kids who are adults. One is the CEO of a company and the mother. And he had a child when he was 16 and he was about 20, this child of his, when he decided to cross the border to come to the U.S. all the way from Ecuador Although he's had two readings with me and I've told him, your son is dead. I'm so sorry. And this is what happened to him. It's not that he doesn't believe me, but he still in his heart has so much hope that his son is alive. But his son is not alive. And the son in this last reading a month ago told him, dad, let it go. Please breathe. Like you're making everybody's life miserable by insisting in these things that shouldn't even matter anymore because I'm already on the other side and I'm okay on the other side. And Spirit gave him a lot of incredible information about what's going on in his life, his children's life, like his brothers. But this guy will never have closure from a reading. Right. Until he chooses, like there's that choice again to surrender to it. He can surrender or when he crossed over and he reunites... So I'm curious about uh, your view on this. Well, you mentioned, well, spirit says, or I get this from spirit. So, and I know it's different for everybody. Do you have specific guides that you know you connect with? So can you talk a little bit about that and your first experience with these guides when you knew they were there and how you communicate? This is one of the things that Pat helped me with initially, understanding who were my guides and then I, I was searching literally everywhere for a meditation to connect to my guides. And I found that meditation, which is the one that I use to connect with the guides. So it's some people believe that we're constantly changing guides, which I think regular people might. Once they come, they taught you what you need to learn and then they move on and a new one comes in. Mine really don't change and they have names as well. So they've given me their names. So I tap onto them to be more like master of ceremony sometimes for me in a reading. When the, analog- the best analogy I can make is a doctor's office. You show up to a doctor's office, there's a secretary, you put your name, you are in the reading room until the doctor calls you. So that's how I handle readings. And my spirit guides are the ones that do that dirty job. <laughs> right. They- oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Um, when did they first show? It Was it at Pat Longo's? Uh, did she teach you how to read? Or when you were a kid, how did they come through? When I was a kid, it was my dad because my dad passed when I was a, a year and three months old. And then it was my paternal grandfather because those were the two figures that I really, really like knew. Then as I got older, I didn't know really, right, that they were my spirit guides and they had other names and they had teachings to come and do with me. Now, when I became a medium, that's when I honed in on my spirit guides. And that's why I've identified them and I assigned them like different roles depending on what I need. Right. And then my core 
entourage of spirit is a lot of people that have passed. I have over 14 people that I've loved. that have been very close to me. But the person who's my number one when it comes to readings that I tap into, facilitates, provide. If a reading is difficult because the spirit is not being so forthcoming or might be holding back, it's my maternal grandmother. Oh, she'll just make them talk. <laughs> and I, I, I've only had, I've had Teresa Caputo read me, Marion DeMarco, and two other mediums. I really don't get medium readings, but even as a medium, I love to get readings. Yeah. Just, But I don't trust everybody either. Yeah, me too. Things of what is happening in my life that people can't know everything, right? So they all have validated my grandmother as my main spirit when it comes to reading, unbelievably. So do you believe that um, when we've crossed over, or like, I'm just curious about what you believe. When we've crossed over... Because you connected to your friend Lisa, right, who understood politics. This is what I'm curious about. And she seemed to know all the details about what the election would happen. So do some or all or just a few souls that have crossed over to the other side have access to the future, to the map of the future? Or do do they all have it? What do you believe about this? So I want to put them in silos, right? So just like there's doctors, there's lawyers, they're singers, right? I believe that you spirits have those as well, what they're good at or what uh-huh. they know. Like so, masters. Exactly. So uh-huh. for me, Lisa is like, if I want to tap into anything, politics, fundraising, media, TV, print, like anything of that side or someone's profession, I use Lisa. Uh-huh. If I want to use someone more universal, that would be my grandmother. If I want to do something more specific, that's my father. Isn't it fascinating? I mean, when you think about this conversation that we're having and everybody's listening to, I mean, when you know that we're to us, it's, you know, oh yeah, we, we just talk about this every day. But for a second there, I thought to myself, this is the most interesting conversation. <laughs> like, which dead person do you connect to? <laughs> like that's, you know, it is really interesting. And in it, and I think you brought up very early on about the Catholic background being a deterrent, you know, because of all the superstition around it. I think that the entire concept of monotheism has made it a little difficult for people to just really get with the program that, you know, yes, it's just the way it is. Our souls are immortal. They they move on. We can communicate with them. We can get closure. We can get information. Have you ever had anybody even share that? I've personally had a few uh, people who had been staunch Catholics come through for one of their kids at an event and them telling them like, oh, it's nothing the way we were taught. (laughs) Like basically, you know, we're good. (laughs) So, you know, to kind of alleviate the terror of, oh my God, this could be bad when in fact it's not. I mean, it's just the truth. 100% it has happened. And I'm going to take it further. I've connected nuns. Nuns, oh. And priests. Wow. And when I've told the person that I'm reading, I have a priest, I have a nun here for you. And the nun showed me actually the photo and, and I'm like, this is like an aunt relation to you. The person's like, no, there's no one like that in my family. That's never happened. Fast forward two days later, she sends me a photo. She's like, I talked to my mom and I had no idea that indeed I was like, you know, uh, it was my mom's aunt who was an actual nun and she served and she passed away exactly how you said and how you described. Uh, The priest was, there was one priest, I I connected with a couple of priests, but there was one priest that was really, really funny. And uh, one of the things that that priest said to me was like, what you were alluding to, this is nothing like we are told or that I teach or taught. Uh, I was over there. This is much more peaceful and it doesn't work like they think it is. Like there's not like a judgment is what he right. told me. Right, yes, no like, judgment. No judgment on the other side. And for me, that was like very revealing, but also a way to validate that it doesn't matter who you are or what you do here. You could be a priest, you could be a nun, you could be a banker, you could be a robber, right? Right. 
different when you get to the other side. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's the forgiveness piece, you know, that that's like that main thread in the fabric of that reality. I really believe that. I don't know if you get it, but I have a lot of followers constantly asking me, so why does a serial killer can be on the other side? Or why my dad who raped me can be on the other side like at peace and you connect with? And I feel like there's lessons that we learn on the other side as well. And I don't believe in punishment per se, but maybe they do put you in the corner of the room for a little <laughs> while to figure things out on the other side so then you can come through. Yeah, I have found with those really, really disturbing readings, I always make a joke and call myself an apology medium because they're usually coming through taking a 100% responsibility for what they did and they they don't always even ask for forgiveness, but they are acknowledging the pain and suffering that they cause. And that is for me to know that, because I've never had ever, maybe you have, I'm curious to know, anybody on the other side tell me, hey, this is just like California over here. Nobody, it, it's, it's always just been using me as a tool to help somebody else. I've never been like, hello, what's going on? Like, what does it look like? What are you, what are you wearing? What's happening? <laughs> that doesn't work that way. The only way that I see clothing, that they show me clothing, what they're wearing and their lipstick or something about their, is to validate to that person, to person. that it's them. Because, and for example, I foresee myself that I'm when I'm on the other side because I love fashion so much right. and dressing up and hair and makeup and the whole thing. I'm going to come through with like I look now, right? The yeah. hair, the eyes, the lashes. And it happened with my best friend, Lisa, when I was connected to her, she told uh, the medium, tell Sulema that I can now fit in her closet. <laughs> that was, and that was one thing that That's she great. always told me because she had a little bit of weight on. She was always, you know, on, on the heavier side. Obviously, she got cancer. She lost a lot of weight. You know, she was like 100 pounds by the time she died. Oh. But she always said, I'm, I, if there's a closet, I want to go into it's and raise your closet. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought that too when I saw your pictures. And I went, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I want to go shopping with her. <laughs> Let me just ask a couple more questions. What guidance do you have for our listeners who might be interested in learning mediumship or allowing themselves to tune into, and we'll, we'll say both psychic mediumship because mediumship is just one thing that you do, but the psychic mediumship, you know, like you suppressed it for so long. What would you say to the listener who's also thinking, oh, this is something? What would you encourage them? The first thing that I would do is that go find online other mediums that you can learn from and watch those mediums, but especially mediums or psychic mediums like me that explain the process of connecting and setting boundaries and parameters. So before you start tapping into or reading people, you have to learn how to protect yourself. That's the number one thing. So find someone that you can learn from. Again, I'm a big believer in self-teaching. So I believe anybody listening or wanting to can teach themselves, follow other mediums, find mediums that you can download courses because a lot of them, you know, have this. Listen to podcasts like this that are exceptional for that reason. We're educating, mm -hmm. but also meditation. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That to me is the number one thing is meditating, but meditating to protect your energy meditating for self-love on where you're endowed. I, I'm not a big believer of people doing a blank general meditation for everything in life. I feel like you need to meditate Specifics. once in a while for very specific things. So I, I also have my own guided meditations, like healing, self-love, that kind of a thing. So that's what I would say to the person. In terms of the fear, that's something that you need to work on yourself that mm -hmm. nobody can take away from you. Now, you're always going to have some sort of fear, right? Sure. In terms of, for example, I will be doing my first live event in, in a couple of months. I'm not nervous about it. I don't fear. But I'm sure that before I walk out on stage, there'll be some sort of emotion or feeling, which is great because it will keep me on my toes. Even if I feel 
a little bit of fear, but it's not fear that I'm going to fail. It's not fear that there's not going to be anyone there or I'm not going to be able to do the job. It's just a natural instinct feeling of protection sure. that you know we have and that we do. So what do you do with that? Calm your mind. Mm-hmm. That is right? Be in silence. Do you have a very specific thing that you like to do as a form of self-protection? Yes. Like you have a, do you want to share that or do you mind sharing it or? Oh, no, no. I happy to. I do a, the first thing I do every morning when I wake up and before, obviously if I'm doing readings is an energy protection, universal white light energy protection meditation. Always. So I also use what I call it a vest. Uh, and I, I, Pat taught me this. So I put a zipper around literally to protect me. I imagine myself in a bubble and the way that I can describe the bubble. Have you seen those TikTok videos or videos where people are literally like in a bubble and they're rolling down yes, the hill? Yes. Here? That's <laughs> where I put myself into. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's that's fun. Yeah. So visually I created as well. I sage. That's a big part of my life, also the saging aspect. And also I always have a white candle. Yeah, that's good because these are things that anybody can do. They just need an imagination. They need to make a commitment to, you know, to zipping themselves up because our boundaries are porous, right? When we get into, we're opening ourselves so much. Literally, there's so, there is no end because we're saying we're open to whatever comes through from the invisible. So that's, that's really important. That's really great. I always say this, you know, when I'm saging or even before I start a reading, only spirits that walk in the white light of God are welcome here. Any negative energy must leave by the power of the I am. Power of the I am. Ooh, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, so when you do readings, I find that I can either be super exhausted and need to take a salt bath, or I feel like somebody shot me with B12 and I want to run around the block. Like, it's, <laughs> like what's it like for you? What, exactly what you're describing. <laughs> Now, I noticed two things, uh, especially recently that I started in-person readings because of COVID, I wasn't doing in-person readings. Yeah. I love my office here in New York. Every time I go to my office and I read people, I come home and I'm like, Energizer Bunny. Energizer Bunny, right. <laughs> Energizer Bunny. Now, the readings that are difficult or really, really sad sometimes and stories that you're like, it's impossible for me not to feel I immediately tell my husband, I want no phone calls. Don't disrupt me. I go immediately into meditation. I open a bottle of champagne because yeah. I love champagne and wine. And, yeah. I'm a collector. and I do something where there's like go to a spa, go get a massage. I have to relax. I can't have stimulation. Basically. Right. Stimulation. Uh-huh. Stimulation. I have to completely unplug I had a reading in Los Angeles and I had a dinner <laughs> that night and I told my husband, I don't know how I'm going to get through the dinner with what I've just heard. This woman was since five years old, raped by her own father until she was 13 years old <sighs> and she left her house. She ran away at 13 because of this. And the saga in her life after this has been insane. And recently her son committed suicide and she wasn't allowed to see him or to talk to him, not even go to the burial, nothing. That reading, oh, I struggled to get myself back into a normal state because it was just impossible for me not to feel it and take, and I immediately get a headache. I don't know about you, but I get a headache. Yeah. Yeah, and I need to ground those kind of things. I, I get to go to an assault bath. Me, water works for me. I'm just curious. Yeah, so you have the candle, you do those things, and then, but yeah, it can be very exhausting, um, and it could also be very exciting too. It's it's especially when you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's like the Energizer Bunny thing. I always feel afterwards. I'm so lucky I get to do this. <laughs> The other thing, though, I don't know if it happens to you. Like when I'm on vacation, like I took a week off last week. I was in LA and going to Mexico. So after TV appearances, I'm going to um, vacation. When I'm on vacation and I'm not reading, I get the anxiety. Interesting. I need to find someone to even talk to and 
dump some information. Ah, that's interesting. I'm wondering, I have a hard time relaxing, but you know, I've never put those two things together. That's interesting. But when I don't read, when you're not reading, uh a couple of days, let's say more than three, four, five days, all that energy starts accumulating, which is why I struggle with anxiety my whole life. And I really didn't know where it was coming from. So when I'm on vacation for an extended period of time, like two weeks, I can't not not read anyone. I have to find someone that I deliver a message to. Yeah. I actually didn't realize that made sense to me until now because I'm going, yeah, I always have to eventually pick up the phone or do a Zoom or talk to somebody while I'm away or run into somebody, meet somebody new, tell them what I do and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it is It is an interesting phenomenon. Let's pull a card together. It, you know what? I think what would be great to pull a card, you and I, off one of my Oracle card decks and see what spirit wants us to talk about for our last subject. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So I'm taking my teaching deck, Wisdom of the Oracle, and this is a prescriptive, not predictive. So basically where I'm asking spirit to tell me and Zulema, what did we miss or is there anything else that spirit wants us to talk about today? Ah, this makes sense. Clean it up. So let me tell you what the card means. The card is all about the commitment to inventory. So clean it up is about decluttering, not just your environment, but your mind and your heart. So is there any process that you have done in your own life to keep yourself clear, um, you know, that we could share with our listeners? Because I know for me, I have to do a regular inventory because I get filled up and get, you know, and I've got my own issues too. It's like, you know, it is what it is. But what do you do to clean up? I would say writing to me. <sighs> writing is my big go-to. And I'm also very OCD in terms of actual organization. <laughs> I have to have my shoes aligned in a certain way, organized in a certain way, my closet in a certain way. I love to take a day to just organize things in the house. So when somebody opens the door, it's all neatly organized, even in that catch-it-all drawer in the kitchen. My catch it all drawer in the kitchen is very structured and organized. Ah, I love that. I love that. And it does give a sense of order. You know, I think that that's something that we lack right now is that sense of order because people are really in uncharted waters at this time in our human history or where we are now. We have so much turmoil and chaos going on in the world. I think that maybe that is what the card is suggesting is a way for us to find certainty in our environment is to keep it clean and keep it decluttered, but also emotionally as well, emotionally and spiritually to watch our resentments, watch all the things that accumulate that could become very messy in the head. I think that's also really, really important. And we're human beings, right? So I have my own things happening and going on in my own life, especially my big one is my illnesses, right? Yeah. So cleaning it up and inventory when it comes to my health, I have to run a very tight ship when it comes to that and also be very in tune with my body and what I'm feeling. Yeah. If I don't and I'm misaligned, then that is going to affect everything that I do as a psychic medium. Yeah. I mean, I think that's important for anyone listening. You don't have to be a psychic medium to do these practices and to consciously stay aligned and know what your body is telling you so that you don't get sick. Or like you, I mean, you're a miracle uh, that you manage your health because you are here for a reason and you're here to, to teach and to help a lot of people. Okay, well, this has been such a great conversation. So for more information about Zulema, you can find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and her official site, thelatinamedium.com. All of these links to discover Zulema's world are, of course, on our show page. Also, a link to her beautiful book, So Much More, Muchismo Mas. Thank you so much, Zulema. I love this conversation with you. Thank you so much. I hope to meet you and speak to you and interview you again soon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Colette. This was awesome. Let's do it again. Love it. So what did we learn today? You know what? I'm going to pull a card. I'm going to pull a card for my good tarot deck. And... uh, 
I got the six of air, and it's about a rite of passage, a necessary change in thinking to gain greater wisdom. So really what this is talking about is that we all need to make a shift from being so afraid of death and the fact that, you know, we might lose people, we might grieve for them, etc. And that's not the end of the relationship, that there's possibility of healing and growth even after someone has crossed and for the person who is still living. You know, if we can shift our attitudes to include those who have crossed over, it would be quite a different life. So thank you for listening to our special limited edition series. I talk to dead people on Inside the Wooniverse. Until next time, I'm Colette Baron-Reed. Be well. I Talk to Dead People is a production of Universal Network Studios. A special thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuy, executive producer, Connie Deletti, content editor, Julie Fink, and audio post-production by Michael Seifert and David Shaw at Summa Recording. Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you are hearing this podcast right now. And you can keep up to date on episode releases, bonus content, and prize giveaways by visiting us at itwpodcast.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode on Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.